Welcome to the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing podcast, where we explore the hottest topics in cyber marketing, interview experts, and help you become a better cybersecurity marketer. Hi there, my name is Sean Madsen, and I head up digital strategy at Checkpoint Software. We use Hushly as our primary demand platform. We use it to remove gates, we use it for our landing pages, and we use it for our resource hub. And it has improved our conversion rate by 5x. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing. I'm one of your hosts, Gianna Whitver, here with my amazing co-host, Maria Velasquez. And we are so excited to have a very special guest on today's episode. We have Mandeep Kera. He is the CMO, the Chief Marketing Officer of SecureAuth. Mandeep, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Hello, Gianna and Maria. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. All right. And we are going to just jump right in, I think, into Mandeep's thoughts on the economy, changing priorities for CMOs, and all of this really awesome stuff. Mandeep, I know you have a very experienced background. You've been a CMO at cybersecurity companies for a while. Could you tell us a little bit about how you got into the CMO game uh, at cyber companies and kind of what keeps you here? Absolutely. <laughs> how much time do we have? <laughs> you know, I think I have a very interesting story then. Very different from a lot of other uh, CMOs. My career started in finance, believe it or not, uh, from CPA side, and then moved into marketing a long time ago. First, I was in more on the business side, so CRM application, and I was a GM at HP as well. Moved into cybersecurity back in 2021, I believe, uh, or 2000 timeframe uh, with VeriSign. And that was my first kind of foray into cybersecurity. And I actually picked that industry by design. So I felt at that time cybersecurity will be a big deal for the long term because hackers will never stop. So I wanted to really find a company where I can get in and make an impact. And from there it started. And then I, you know, from joined the different companies in application security, network security, cloud security, email security, and now I'm in the authentication space. So so a lot of lot of security background, obviously, and it's been it's been fun. It's challenging in cybersecurity, as you guys know. But it's been a lot of fun as well. It's an industry. Once you're in, you can't leave. No, it's uh, it's very clicky, and and you know now I know so many people uh, over the last two decades that is it's become becomes a community, right? They're like your friends now. So I left for a year and a half, and I came running back. It was uh, definitely. It's interesting. I left <laughs> in between the the last twenty years. For a couple of years, I left and went into IoT, which is another exciting space, right? But then, but then again, I come back <laughs> to cybersecurity. Couldn't stay away too far. You have some interesting thoughts on the market and the economy right now. I mean, we're all, I don't want to say suffering, but we're all dealing with higher ROI expectations, more pressure on marketing from the board and from executives for us to create faster and faster returns. There's a lot of stress. There's been rifts. There's been layoffs. Do you see an end to this anytime soon? Yes. I mean, I think it's, even though it sounds like all doom and gloom, right? And frankly, we are going through, I think everyone is seeing headwinds, right? It's not just cybersecurity, but other industries. I was at a, a CMO summit yesterday and all the CMOs there, I mean, they did an informal survey, pretty, 76% or something said their budgets have been cut and expectations are higher, right? So I think everyone is in the same boat right now. This is probably my third recession that or down economy that I'm going through. 
we always come out, right? It's, it's, it's a matter of being patient, sticking with it, and continuing to do the right things. And I think my prediction, and I hope I'm right, is probably six, six to nine months the economy will start bouncing back and I think we'll be we'll be back in the swing of things. Good thing about cybersecurity is very resilient. Even if IT is not spending money on other things, they will spend on cybersecurity because hackers continue to attack, right? Compliance issues continue to come up. So I think we are probably cybersecurity is in a better shape than other industries, even with the down economy, right? So so on that, what are some adjustments or strategy pivots that CMOs should make or have been making? If you've heard anything from the summit that you attended to accommodate, of course, for these budget changes, but then at the same time, keep a healthy mental health state for their team and keep them motivated. Yeah, I think it's a really good question. So I think it, it's right now it boils down to focus, right? laser focus, because there are lots of things that we could be doing that we can't afford to do now. And you have to spend your dollar extremely wisely, right? You have to be extremely quantitative, metrics driven, and, and make sure that we're getting ROI for every dollar we spend. And, and so that means eliminating and focusing on the, the things that matters and el- eliminating that things don't matter, right? So for example, clearly pipeline bookings, are important, right? Making sure we can continue to grow revenues, uh, help uh, increase the shareholder value, increase thought leadership, right? Those types of things. Use influencer marketing, focus on customer marketing, existing customers, right? Install base becomes very important because not only you can help retain the customers by providing the right things, you can also do expansion, which is important as well, right? And then channel plays a big role. So, So I think those are some of the critical components that we have to focus on because we know our budgets are less. We know we have fewer resources, right? So we got to focus on the right things at this time. So, Where and how does brand play into this? And I'd love to hear your opinion on what you called the B word. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think, you know, the B word, unfortunately, the brand awareness piece is, you know, for most, I would say, investors, it's a black hole. Because you can never see ROI. And and I know it's a short-term way of thinking, right? Because longer term, brand awareness makes a huge difference, right? Because it, it, that's how you build credibility. That's how you get inbound leads and demand gen. But in the short term, you know, spending money on brand awareness can seem wasteful. So the way I look at brand awareness is we can do a lot more brand awareness with thought leadership. So, for example... You know, and this is just one one way of doing it, but, you know, you can do a survey and and do a trends report, right? And then use PR to push that out and and social media. Now you're getting thought leadership and a lot of brand awareness without getting billboards and spending millions of dollars, right? Or or tons of display ads. You need to tie everything to, again, I'll go back to ROI and tie it to campaigns, right? So it could be a brand awareness indirectly, but tied to an integrated campaign. Now it becomes more of a, demand gen versus a B word, right? So that makes a difference as well, psychologically, I think. Right. So you're saying instead of, this isn't brand, this is integrated campaigns. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes sense because it all ties together and, and it actually does make sense to me as a marketer. And I can understand how it's easier for a non-marketer to understand that too. I mean, I think for the sake of the board, you literally just gave brand awareness a rebrand. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. 
And that's brilliant marketing. You gave brand, because what you mentioned is pure brand awareness. It's just has a, a thought leadership tactic with a lead gen sort of outcome tied to that. But yeah, I mean, yeah, beautiful rebrand, I think. Let's rebrand the brand. <laughs> <laughs> what other tips and tricks do you have right now for folks, Mandeep, uh, for CMOs, for marketers, marketing leaders, as we navigate this challenging economy? You know, the CMO's role has become more challenging than ever, right? We're in the middle of, in the center of everything that's going on in the company. So number one thing is to make sure you are, completely in sync with your CEO, with your CRO, and with your CFO, as well as even your CCO, the chief customer officer as well, and other groups because, and product of course, right? So because we as CMOs can drive a lot of things and we can be the middleman for a lot of communication and making sure we have uh, synergistic strategies, right? So that to me is very critical. The second piece I would say is, as I like to call it, you know, CMO should be both qual and quant driven, right? So both qualitative and quantitative, right? So qual piece to me is not only strategy, right, messaging, but also thinking out of the box, right, and acting out of the box. You got to be edgy. You got to step out of your comfort zone. There's too much noise out there in marketing. If you want to stand out, you have to do something crazy, tastefully crazy, but you have to do something crazy, right? And then on the quant side, you know, again, like I said, metrics, metrics, metrics. I mean, you know, I look at probably about 10 to 15 reports and dashboards every week and sometimes even more than once a week, right? So just looking at all the numbers, making sure we're getting the ROI from whatever we're doing. And if we're not, let's cut it out. Let's stop it, right? And make quick decisions on it. So we're not wasting everyone's time and resources again because we have we're so restrictive. The other piece I would say is um, just from tips and, and tricks perspective, focusing on customers, right? Existing customers, as we talked about earlier, because I think install base is so important. And a lot of our marketers don't think about customer marketing, but it's so important. I mean, not only for expansion. Yes, of course, there's dollars associated with that. But just making sure we're taking care of our customers. It's a lifetime value. It's not, it's a long-term relationship, right? It's not a one-time thing. I would like as a customer to be treated, you know, on an ongoing basis versus at the time of renewal saying, hey, you know, can we renew the PO again? So I think that customer marketing is very, very important to be in touch with customers all the time. And I would say, again, the channel marketing piece, the partner piece is so critical both from channel partners perspective, but also alliance, the ecosystem perspective, right? Working with them, enabling them, making sure that they are getting the value from our relationship because they're also looking for business, right? They're also looking for dollars. We can help them together. You know, it's, it's a better together story. So, so those are, I think, some of the key things. I know I said a lot, but, but those are some of the things I think that we should be focusing on. What are your favorite go-to top three KPIs? Definitely the overall funnel from inquiries down to opportunities and then bookings is, is a number one metric that we look at, right? But I always tell people, you know, a lot of marketers focus on MQLs, which is really more of uh, sausage making, right? Because it's like I can change MQLs very quickly. You know, how many do you want, right? I mean, it's all about lead scoring. So to me, that's a very kind of a fluffy metric. So I don't look at MQLs from that perspective. I just look at MQLs from, hey, are we moving them down the funnel and converting them, right? So really, my main focus is how many meetings and how many opportunities, and then obviously, eventually, how much booking are we getting, right? So that's the main thing. But then besides that, we have a number of other things on the dashboard, including for example, I have one thing which learned a long time ago that is good to keep an eye on it, which is 
are the opportunities having activities, right? So we create the pipeline and nothing has happened to that pipeline. And because if you get a regular report, like a weekly report that shows you, no one has touched this opportunity in more than 30 days. There's a problem there. So it just helps you kind of focus on the right things. So so that's another important one that I, that I look at. And there are a bunch of other different ones, but you know, th- those are definitely some key ones for me. I saw Maria nodding her head on when you were talking about the opportunity. She was like doing big nods. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, I know a lot of marketers are finally catching on to this, but leads and MQLs, that's very 2015. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't really matter. And, and the sales team doesn't care. They don't care what's an MQL. You explain to them, how do we actually qualify a lead to become an MQL today? And they won't remember it tomorrow because they don't really care. Unless it's a demo request, MQL. Those they care about because those are, you know, the hand raisers that most likely turn into an opportunity. Absolutely. And, and to that point, uh, Maria, inbound leads are much better, right? 100% better. I think most of them, whether it's coming from drift or contact requests or demo requests, right? They immediately, I mean, our conversion is like 90% plus, right? And and they turn into meetings and 70% of those turn into opportunities, right? So one of the things that I'm trying to focus on, and I think all marketers should do this, is how do we improve the website conversion rate? Because that's where you know, the biggest bang for the buck, if you will, right? Because really you're not spending additional money on it and all these leads are really, really optimized and ready to go, right? So how do we make sure that we convert those? So we've created some lot of different things like the ROI calculator on the site and, and other places where they can quickly come in and request things, uh, even the trends report and not asking them for a lot of information on the form so make it real easy, right? So those are some of the things we're trying. And now for another tip from our partner, Content Workshop. David, what are the three E's of storytelling? Entertain, educate, and engage. All content should, number one, be entertaining to grab and keep the audience's attention. Number two, it should be educational to stay in their mind after they're done consuming the content. And number three, it should be engaging to encourage them to keep the conversation going. Thanks, David. Learn more about Content Workshop storytelling services for cybersecurity companies at contentworkshop.com. Can I ask you, because you mentioned edgy campaigns. I really love that idea because it is so hard to stand out in our industry. And a lot of our buyers are a little more like edgy, you know, depending on the subsegment of security that you're in. What was your favorite campaign you ever ran at any of your companies? Oh my God, I've done so many of those edgy campaigns. Uh, I can spend the next hour on it. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tell us your top couple. <laughs> so I think one of my favorite ones, uh, I was a CMO in the same space. It's been maybe eight, 10 years ago. And we were going to RSA, right? And at that time, a topical theme was Occupy Wall Street. So I hired about 15, 20 models and we gave them T-shirts with Occupy. We were doing log management, so we were doing Occupy logs. And it was a fully integrated campaign with hashtag Occupy logs and all of this on Twitter and everything, or X as they call it now. And so, you know, and we were basically doing a whole procession in front of Moscone Center. And so everyone thought it was an Occupy Wall Street movement. So press came and, you know, all kinds of, it became so controversial. People thought it was all Occupy Wall Street stuff. And and then they found out it was Occupy logs. And so, so that was an interesting one. The other one that I did in application security when I was the CMO at Sensic, we had created a survey where we basically asked respondents to say, hey, are you spending more money on the following things? 
than on application security. And we knew that at that time, you know, application security was still early. So one of the answers I put in the in the responses was coffee. And that was very deliberate because I knew what the answer would be. And, I, and we, we basically said, you know, assume dollar per day per employee, right? So guess what? 80% of people said they're spending more money on coffee than on application security. So that became our theme. And that became a huge PR thing. And a lot of articles came out of it. And then at Black Hat, I had uh, people dressed up as coffee baristas. And we were handing out the coffee, small coffee beans bags. And, you know, so it was like a full integrated thing, right? But that campaign stood out for like at least a year. And people, some people still remember it from back in, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. So, you know, those are some, some examples, but there are others I can, and every, every time we do something is different. So, Mendy, that is a brilliant campaign idea. I love how simple and obvious it is, you know, it, but a lot of us struggle to come up with these simple and brilliant ideas that could have such a big impact. And I think also like it just makes it so much easier when you have an idea like that and it becomes a theme, it's so much easier to do everything else, right? Email and then swag and then ads, everything comes together under, under that one umbrella. And that's how people actually remember it. That's how it becomes remarkable. I love that. I think these types of ideas, you know, if you have a great team, which I've been lucky enough to have really good teams, right? And, and you bring the team, team together and do brainstorming. There are a lot of great minds that will give you ideas. As a CMO, you have to encourage people to come up with, you know, become risk takers, right? Uh, take some edgy ideas and, and don't feel shy about it. So we discuss as a group and then we decide, hey, let's push forward on this, even though it's too edgy or not, edgy, you know, so we discuss all of that, right? So so I, I think working with your team, bringing them into a comfort zone of, hey, it's okay to share crazy ideas. And then we can always uh, filter out the ones that are too edgy or bleeding edge, right? Yeah, but at least start with brainstorming of all the great ideas and then we can filter it down. So I love that you said group brainstorm and all ideas are good ideas is what I heard, at least until you start filtering. I think that's also something that are, is underinvested in in our industry, at least given at the couple of companies I've been at. And that is time for creativity. We're in such a noisy market, creativity and breaking through that noise and being different and being edgy and coming up with out of the box thinking, you know, it's a skill that you can hone over time, but it always takes some time. And a lot of us, especially now are very busy, right? It's always like, got to write the next email, got to plan the next thing, got to work with the vendor that a lot of companies don't get, or at least marketing teams don't get that thinking time. And they even, they will outsource it to, you know, an agency or something when really like, this is my opinion. This is like a, or one of those hills that you die on. This is my hill that, you know, there should be a little more time, like scheduled time for thinking and creativity in our industry. And then our campaigns will become all the more better. Yeah, absolutely. And Janet, I'm glad you brought it up because in one of the companies, what I used to do, you know, it's hard to do when you don't have enough resources or when you have to cut back, right? But when you go back to the normal economy and you have at least somewhat decent <laughs> set of resources, so what I used to do was have basically force people, not force, but encourage people to essentially say, give five to 10% of your time every month on creative time, right? Take time, but you have to measure it, right? So what I we used to do was I said, okay, every month or every two months, we'll have a meeting on discussing all those ideas that you spent time on, that five to 10%. And then we used to share with everyone and, and create subgroups and uh, then come up with the top three ideas. 
that we can start implementing, right? So it kind of helps people think through it because they know they'll have to present it at some point and there's a measurement on it. Versus if you say, hey, just spend 5 to 10% creative time, people you know, may or may not, or you know, people get lazy or get busy. But this forces the issue because then let's come back as a group in a month or two months. Let's figure out what, what your ideas are. Brilliant. I love it. So we also, before we get to our game, we also want to ask you about that big, for those on, on the uh, listening on audio, uh, you won't see this, but there's a book behind Mandeep on his bookshelf. And along with like what appears to be maybe a donkey with glowing eyes. But um, I see the book first and foremost. <laughs> it says why in big letters on the title. Mandeep, can you tell us about this book and also about the donkey? <laughs> So in all honesty, it wasn't a setup because I usually have a Zoom background with my company logo and everything. So you don't see what, what's in my background. So I didn't do this as a setup. I have a, the book Why and, and I have an eagle on above my head, right? So the book Why is what I wrote. It's been more than 10 years now. And it's about meaning of life. It's basically life's most important question, why, right? So it basically tries to address from different perspectives, different questions around life that people have, the life and death and all that stuff and why things happen and all of that stuff. Not a very thick book, easy to read. And I've been presenting about the book um, as one number of awards like Paris Book Festival and a number of different awards. But it was just one of those lifetime things that I wanted to share my perspectives with people and maybe hopefully change some lives. I could have easily written a book on management or marketing or leadership, right? But there's too many books out there for that. So, So I just felt like This was in me. I had to write it, get the word out. It's not like you make a lot of money in book publishing, as you know. But So it was more for gratification of sharing things. And and I've had a lot of feedback from people and emails saying, thank you so much for writing this. It's changed my life. And and even when I go out and present once in a while, people always um, have very positive feedback on it. So yeah, it's very satisfying for me. Gianna, isn't it timely right after your comment that us marketers don't get enough time to actually get creative? We also don't have enough time to sit back, reflect and ask why. Why are we doing this? Why do we sell this product? Why is the company even here? (laughs) Why does the customer care? We don't have enough time to ask why. And I wish we did because I think a lot of our campaigns and a lot of our go-to-market strategies would be much better if we did, right? Start with why, right? Good point. It's, it's, I think it's, uh, we should always be, as Simon Sinek always says, right? You have to ask, start with why first. Maria, I feel like you just did an integrative campaign there because we went in like a nice big round circle. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this episode has been amazing. We rebranded brand awareness and uh, we now understand uh, why our campaigns suck because we don't ask why. <laughs> <laughs> we will be dropping the links to why by Mandeep K. Ra in the show notes, everybody. So make sure to get a copy. Okay. Mandeep. I think it's time to play our game, which is a fun part of our episodes. We are going to guess what you would be doing if you weren't the CMO of a company. And we also have to cross off the list CPA, which I wasn't going to guess in the first place also, but we're going to cross off CPA and we're going to cross off author, which I would have guessed. So we have one less plausible option each. And then Mandeep, you're going to hear us both out and then grade and choose which one wins who got the closest and then tell us the real answer as we're, you know, undoubtedly very far off. Maria, you go up first. 
I usually do follow my instinct and the vibe that I'm getting. It actually gets me to win this game most of the time. Sorry, Gianna, not to rub that in. But Mandeep, I totally could see you be an actor. Something in television, something in Hollywood. I don't know. I'm getting the actor vibe from you. Ooh, I see it. He's nodding, yes. So it's looking good for me. All right. I can't choose what Maria chose. So I'm going to go and say something that's that's so close to what you're already doing that I think it might kind of be cheating. Philosophy professor. Wow. That's a, that's a pretty distinct things. Very specific. <laughs> Two guesses or you have others? Yes, that's it. How bad did we do? No, so I think actually it's interesting, Maria. I think you win again. <laughs> Although, Gianna, you you partially correct as well. So growing up as a teenager even, right? So my dream was to really make movies and write, right? Those were the two things. So uh, since I never got to do that as a full-time profession, I ended up uh, getting those things done on the side. So as you see, I've written the book, but I've been an assistant editor for a few different publications. And and then I made a movie, a feature film film about, it's been uh, 10, 15 years ago, maybe, and which I co-produced, co-directed and acted in. So going to Maria's point, right? So (laughs) I'm going to IMDb right now. (laughs) I swear I did not look this up. I swear I didn't do the research. This is just my instinct. And I I am thinking I might actually have a, a career in this where I can just become the cybersecurity marketing whisperer or something or psychic. Very good observations. And then, you know, my next project is going to be documentary. So I'm, I have a few topics in mind. So that'll be the next big thing. And Gianna, you were partially right in the professor because I actually have, I do teach um, once in a while in, in San Jose State on the topic of IoT. They invite me as a guest speaker and for to speak to engineering students on IoT and the impact of IoT on environment. So I've been doing that as well uh, off and on. So but not philosophy. Maybe that's the next thing they'll be asking you. So I did, while you were sharing about the directing and the acting, I looked you up. Did you, were you involved in Crash My Funeral? Yes, <laughs> that's the name of the movie. Yeah. We'll put a link to that in the show notes too. And we'll, we'll uh, get it trending again. <laughs> <laughs> Mandy, thank you so much for being on the show today. We had a lot of fun. I feel like we absorbed a lot of wisdom. And like Maria said, we've rebranded brand to integrated campaignology. So thank you so much for being on. Thank you for having me. I love uh, you guys' energy. And uh, it was a lot of fun for me as well. So I appreciate you uh, inviting me. And, and hopefully a lot of people will watch it. Thank you. Thank you again, Mandy, for being on the show. Thank you to our loyal listeners, all five of you. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Don't forget a new episode drops every Wednesday. Subscribe and give us as many stars as you can. Tell your colleagues about this. If you know other cybersecurity marketers and yeah, we'll see you next time. 